I'm going to take a few seconds, uh, believe it or not. So I am not from Illinois, even though all of you know me and see me everywhere. So my family, believe it or not, is actually watching from Ohio. So hello, it's good to see you. Sorry I'm not with you in person, I apologize. But I promise you, I am continuing the tradition of rooting for the Ohio State Buckeyes out here. So, uh, so I just want to say uh, thank you for all of that, for those things uh, that are going on. So for some of you here, um, you may not know me, consider yourself and your eardrums blessed, right? I just want to tell you, they had to turn all the gains down on the microphones this morning so I could stand up here and not blow anything up up there. Um, I have the distinct honor of being the leader of Man Church. I have the distinct honor of lifting up the name of Jesus Christ with you today. For those of you that do know me, thank you for allowing me the chance to share this message that Jesus has brought to me. Praise be to Jesus for me, for you being here today. As we continue our journey through Acts, many amazing truths and stories and foundational moments were spoken in this very room by amazing servants of Christ. We've learned about being emboldened by the Holy Spirit. We've heard story after story of the early church performing miracles and shocking the crowds around them. We were challenged by the life of sacrifice the apostles lived and by their dedication and surrender to God. Even last time that we spoke on Acts, we heard how unity is the true mark of Christians. I have been challenged as I'm sure you have been challenged. There is a lot to learn or if you're like me, relearn when studying the history of our early church. So the wild ride through Acts doesn't stop today. It continues. And we jump forward into Acts 5, 12 through 42. As we start into this next section, it's important to understand the context of the early church. On one side, the leaders of the early church are pursuing to be solely yoked with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Verse 11 tells of the great fear that gripped the church because of what has happened to Ananias and Sapphira. The other side, masses of people who hear the miracles and the changes around them because of the Holy Spirit. Working with that context today, this section of Acts seems best told like a story. And that's your first blank today. That Acts is best told like a story. I think that's why I'm here today. If you know me, you know that I live, learn, and grow and communicate through stories. Stories, now not salesman stories that are not true, okay? Stories enrich our lives. Stories can, uh, can persuade us, enrage us, change us, and even heal us. As a matter of fact, it's the way that Jesus taught all throughout the Bible. So, on to my sermon. Today, hopefully you picked up a coin. They were right when you came in. If you didn't, now is a perfect time to get one. Don't worry, don't hesitate, nobody's gonna judge you. Just get up and go get a coin in the back if you didn't get one. Plus, right, I don't know how many times you go to the store, there is a shortage of coins around. So consider this a gift from me to you because everyone needs a little bit of extra pocket change nowadays. So. After you're getting your coin, after you're moving around, um, maybe some of you already have your coin. Take a look at your coin, if you would. You notice that there is, um, uh, there's a head side, usually, and a 
tails side, right? Not a, not a right side or a wrong side, not a better side or a worse side, just different sides, right? That's your next blank. Not a right side or a wrong side, not a better side or a worse side, just different sides. So as your coin, you're looking at your coin. Uh, real quick, if any one of you has the double-sided coin, I'm gonna need that coin back. Um, I use that coin when I tell people let's flip for it, right? Who's cooking dinner or who's gonna buy next? Um, so I- I'm gonna need that coin back. See me after church if you have the double-sided coin, please. All right, all right, back to the coin. While the coin is two-sided, right, it is always the same coin. Short of altering it, it has always had a heads and a tails. This coin that you hold, in my opinion, is indicative of our relationship with Jesus Christ. How so? If you know me, you know I love to procrastinate. We'll find out at the end. Before, you, before we answer, let's talk about Acts 5, 12 through 42. So we're going to split this section up into two, or these verses into two sections, verses 12 through 16 and 17 through 42. So starting with 12 through 16. I can't fathom what the disciples were feeling in that moment. Um, I'd like to read this to you because, frankly, I I can't summarize it very well. So wherever you are, would you grab your Bible, your phone, your notes, look at the screen behind me. Matter of fact, I give you permission to cheat and look at your neighbor's paper beside you if you need to today. Um, So would you follow along in God's amazing word with me today? Verse 12. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though they heard high regard about all the apostles for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. Can we pause there real quick? Men and women. Okay, this is, you know, I don't know, 40, 50 AD. The Christian church believed in women and how powerful they are right there. I want you to know that and understand that. In all of the church, the, the, the writer of Acts took time to say men and women. I believe it's very important. Uh, where were you? the apostles? Uh, as, as a result, the apostles' work, sick people were brought into the streets and beds and on mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as Peter walked by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those who were possessed by evil spirits. And they were all healed. That's Acts 5, 12 through 16. Wow, just wow. So for a fun, quick, interactive part of the sermon, let's do a, do a survey today. All right, no judgment. How many times and your journey with Jesus has someone, threw, has someone threw themselves on your shadow. Now, purposefully, tripping you tripping them and them landing in your shadow doesn't count. So any hands, has anybody had somebody throw them? Yeah, that's what I thought. Me either. Nobody has thrown themselves on my shadow. So could you imagine the, the boldness, just like uh, Reverend Jake Smith talked about, that permeated through the apostles? Imagine the joy they felt seeing the power of the Holy Spirit change people so drastically. People pushing 
begging, falling anywhere they could just to be healed. People clamoring and yearning to hear about Jesus, to hear the story about our Savior. Take it in for one second. Think about the joy that the disciples felt. Think about the verification they continued to receive from the Holy Spirit. What does that verification look like, you ask? People immediately choosing to follow our Savior. People following without questions or needing more proof. People who are immediately changed. It, It still happens today, sure. It's just that everywhere the disciples went, the change was immediate. And that is so uncommon today. That, brothers and sisters, is one side of our coin. Not a right side, not a wrong side, not a better side or a worse side. It might be the preferred side, but it's just one side of the coin. That's your next blank. It's just one side of the coin. Acts 5, 17 through 42 talks about the other side of that coin that we have. These verses speak of uh, trials and tribulations, suffering and death. They speak of flogging and imprisonment. This is the other side of our coin. Again, not a wrong side or a right side or a better side or a worse side, just the opposite side of that coin. Our next blank is, um, excuse me, it may not be our preferred side, but God can still use this side and listen to the verses. Let's find out how. So please follow along again. Verse 17. The priest and his officials who were Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. 19 says, but an angel of the Lord came at night and opened up the gates of the jail and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately began teaching. When the high priest and and his officials arrived, they convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. 22. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported the jail was securely locked with guards standing outside. But when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priests heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where it would all end. Then someone arrived with startling news. The men that you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching people. The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, for they were afraid the people would stone them. Then they brought the apostles before the high council where the priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders, never again to teach in this man's name. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. 29. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven 
we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him. 33. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. But one member, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, who was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people, stood up and ordered that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. Then he said to his colleagues, men of Israel, take care what you are planning to do to these men. Some time ago, there was a fellow named Thetis who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him, but he was killed and his followers went about other ways. The whole movement came to nothing. After him, at the time of the census, there was Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed too, and all of his followers were scattered. So, my advice, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. Verse 40, the others accepted his advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. They were ordered, once again, to never speak the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace of the name, for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Praise God for his word. We go from joy, right? The first part of Acts to this, all for believing, preaching, and teaching. One part of this scripture sticks out to me. It's verses 29 through 32. I'm going to reread them real quick because I think they're so important. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. In that section, the apostles didn't defend themselves. They didn't spend time crafting responses to the high council. As a matter of fact, they put their own convenience and peculiarities aside. They put their comfort aside. They spent one sentence to defend themselves. In their full commitment to Jesus, in that time, they praised God. They told their stories. For a metaphor, in the sales world, we call that an elevator pitch, right? A little bit of time, you're talking to somebody, you have maybe 30 seconds to talk to them. These words weren't rehearsed. They weren't ran through focus groups. These words weren't edited and re-edited and figured out again. These words came from somewhere else, from deep in their soul, after being filled to the top by the Holy Spirit. Those words came forth because they sacrificed it all for Jesus. 
Maybe that's a lot of like churchy stuff, right? And maybe you're like, okay, you know, that's, that's okay. What does that mean for me? What does that all mean? Well, let me show you from the text what I mean. Uh, in the disciples, they said, look at the phrase, we are witnesses of these things. Now, we know Jesus calls us to be witnesses. But many times, if we're being honest with ourselves, we think that this means that we have to be experts in a fancy word called apologetics. It's a big theological term. It means, you know, speak in defense of the truth of the gospel and be able to defend the gospel at all costs with persuasive arguments. But would you look at the disciples' persuasive argument today? It's God honored Christ by raising him from the dead so the people would turn from their sin and turn towards Christ and receive his healing and joy. And we are witnesses of this. Verbally, yes, but so much more. We are witnesses in the same way that light and heat are witnesses to the sun. We know the sun exists, not just because we read about it or study it or, or learn all about it. We know the sun exists because we experience its light and its warmth. In the same way, people will know that Jesus is alive, not simply by reading about him or by hearing some good-looking salesman preach on a sun. Wait a second. They're fooling with the teleprompter, okay? Because that was not, I'm sorry. Um, I think the people in the booth are fooling with me here a little bit. Um, but we, we are witnesses because we experience his light and warmth and share that with other people that encounter us. People will know that Jesus is alive because Jesus is alive in us. John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, not your friends, not people that believe the same way as you, not people that wear the same clothes as you or drive the same car, by, by those who will believe and see the love in one another. Thus, the apostles being filled to the top with the Holy Spirit spoke and responded from a source of life and joy that came from Christ himself. The apostles spoke their heart to the high council and thus faced an instant conviction, death. As the rest of the verse goes, Gamaliel, right, trusted leader, smart dude, orders the apostles outside, suggests that if this is really from God, we need to leave them alone, and if they're doing it all on their own, it'll fizzle out. But if it's from God, you will find yourselves fighting against God. They're released, they're flogged, and they are never known, they're, never, they're told to never speak the name of Jesus Christ again today. In this very room, as we sit here, we are witnesses that Jesus' church pressed on, multiplied, and continues to reach the ends of the earth. Praise God. Today, whether you are new to Jesus or you're new to PFN, we are the living proof that the apostles continued their calling in sharing the good news that Jesus Christ rose from the grave in glory 
and sits at the right hand of God. With all that story, with that great story from the book of Acts, now what? Well, in school, I was always a big fan, and if you've been around me, you know I say this all the time, of, um, of who, what, when, where, why, and how. The six W's, they call it. Although the whole how part never really made sense because it doesn't start with a W, but I mean, it has a W in it, so does that count? I, I don't, these things, I, I digress, I'm so sorry. We covered the who, the what, the when, and the where. All that's left today is the how and the why. Why is this important today? If you're sitting in this church today, why does this matter? Why should you even care? How do I even start? How does this affect me? No, I prayed about these very questions. I prayed about what the answers might be. I prayed for clarity. I prayed that I would have the exact right words. I trust Jesus with all that I am. He never lets me down. And I promise you, he came through for me even this very morning. That's why you have a coin in your hand. One last time, if you didn't get one, make sure you have one. Some people come in late. We see it at Man Church all the time. They're trying to get seconds. The ladies are telling them no. So I just want to make sure that everybody has one. So when you came in, or when I asked you, you chose to pick up that coin. I think most of you uh, today picked up that coin out of um, obedience, right? Or curiosity. Thank you for that. Maybe there are other reasons you picked up that coin today. Maybe you're hoping that somebody will leave and you can go get a pop from a pop machine. Today, I'm using that coin to celebrate and represent our relationship with Jesus. All of us have different reasons, times, situations, and circumstances as to why we would choose Jesus. Some of us today, maybe in this room, haven't made that choice. Some of us have already made that choice to follow Jesus. Once we make that choice, we start an odyssey. I, I love that word, and not the Honda van odyssey, right? No, not that one. It's a great van, I'm sure. But um, I love the definition of odyssey. It is a long an eventful or adventurous journey or experience. Man, that defines our walk with Jesus. Much like the odysseys a group of us have been at when you're at Ben's Brown house, Ben Brown's house, or if you're in my family, uh, the odyssey of meeting a random stranger at Walmart or Kroger that I meet and find out when we're going to have dinner at their house and all kinds of random things. I'm sure many of us in this room today have enjoyed an odyssey a time or two. We remember the good sides of our odysseys. We remember the bads, the fun, and the not so fun. Our odyssey with Christ is no different. There is joy and there is struggle, tribulations and successes. However, we don't get to pick the side. But with Jesus in our life, we get to pick the response. Some of us today in this room find ourselves on the side of tribulation, much like the apostles in 17 through 42. Some of us are hurting physically, emotionally, mentally, maybe even financially. Maybe today, maybe you're suffering from all of them. Maybe if you're online, maybe you're struggling with every single one of them today. Yet some of you who are watching are experiencing joy and similar feelings of the disciples in 12 through 16. 
Some of us have a massive, truthful smile. And some of us are struggling in covering it up with a smile. Why? Because there are peaks and valleys in life. And we need to know how to weather the storms while following and choosing Jesus. That sounds rather definite, right, for me. Um, like sales, we love maybes and exclusions and different things. Um, so let me elaborate on why I believe that is so, def um, so definite. John 15, 20 says this, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, that's Jesus, they will persecute you. Today, what makes us think that we have any right to be treated better than Jesus was treated? With this in your mind, fight for humility in your heart and view persecution as normal. And here's the kicker, and view comfort and security as abnormal. If we are being Christ to a fallen world, should we expect only sunshine and rainbows? No. And 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13 says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, and as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Many times in our lives, Jesus' glory will be revealed best through our suffering for him. But he promises that even in suffering, if we trust him and honor him, he will rest his glory upon us, reveal his glory through us, and overflow his joy within us. Let that sink in today. If you're a steak fan or a chicken fan, let that marinate inside of you today. As a matter of fact, I think it's so important. Let me go over that one more time, just a pinch slower, because I love to read fast. Many times in this life, Jesus's glory will be revealed best through our suffering for him. But he promises, even in that suffering, if we trust him and honor him, he will rest his glory upon us, reveal his glory through us, and overflow his joy within us. Peter knew what he was talking about when he wrote these words. Why? Because Acts 5.41 says that the apostles left rejoicing after they got flogged, right? Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. Your coin. Look at that today. The first side of that coin, Christ being glorified as people came to know him and experience his physical and spiritual healing, which, surprise, brought joy. The other side of that coin that you hold today, Christ being glorified in our personal sufferings, which also brought joy. God being glorified and us being joyful in Christ Jesus. This makes sense when you look at that coin. No matter the side you hand over, 
It has the same power to purchase and produce joy for the owner of that coin. Ephesians 1.7. I read a lot from the NLT. It says, God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Hard stop. Before you were born, Jesus died for you. Before you made a decision to follow him, Jesus died for you. Before you cleaned yourself up, Jesus died for you. Romans 5.12. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Undeserved privilege because of Jesus's decision and God's awesome, amazing power to let go of his son and die on the cross. So today, how can this glory be ours? How can we hold this glory that I've talked about? How can we see glory and joy on both sides of this coin? First, choose. If you don't know Jesus, <laughs> there's no better time than probably right now to make that choice. Because believe it or not, that same power, the power we've been talking about all through Acts, that same courage and strength that Jesus offers through the Holy Spirit becomes available to you. Eternal life, available to you. Perseverance, available to you. Much like he was with the apostles, so too he is with you even right now. Second, pray. <laughs> I know I, everybody says, well, you just got to pray more. You just got to pray more. And I know it's an easy thing to say, but the apostles were in constant communication with God. So why wouldn't we start there? So how do you, maybe you don't know how to pray. Maybe you hear other people pray and you're like, I never pray like that person. Maybe you have a, a, a way that you pray, but maybe, you know, maybe you're struggling. So let's have a crash course on prayer. First, be honest. God already knows your heart before you even open your mouth. So just be honest. So start simple. Um, how about this? Uh, God, I'm really mad today. God, I'm having a great day today. God, I am all over the place. I'm back and forth. I'm happy. I'm sad. I'm struggling. I'm succeeding. God, I'm spent. I don't have anything left. Whatever you do and say, just tell him your heart. Third, be with a group, right? Did you notice all through Acts, the apostles did not do this alone? They were together, suffering, celebrating, welcoming new people, unbelievers, living out what they believed. So, maybe you're not an extrovert like me and you can't make a best friend while you're standing in line to buy pepperoni at the deli. I get that. It's okay. So, how do you become part of a group? How about find things that you like to do? For instance, if you're a guy in this room and you like football, there is a group of us that hang out on Thursday night and watch football together. Bring a friend. 
Bring the dude you found on the street who says, yo, I like football. Come on. Join us at Man Church. Now I'm going to pause for a second because I want to tell you the range of guys that come to Man Church. Right? So we have some guys who their lives are changed. They pray with their wives more than they ever had their better dads. They have all this great things happening to them. And then on the other side of things like Man Church, you get text messages from these guys saying, hey, Mark, you need to find a way to work the word farticus into your sermon today or meow, or you need to pound the stand three times, right? Like all these different things that they want me to do. I might have actually just done that. I'm sorry. I'm probably going to get talked to after church. I apologize. If that's you, if you like to make silly jokes or you're super serious, there is space for you at Man Church. So maybe, so maybe another thing. How about this? How about join a Sunday school class? Did you know that there are Sunday school classes in our church that they eat together, they hang out together, they go on vacations together, they do, they go to movies together, they do everything together. Maybe that's you. Maybe you want to sign. Not only that, but you get to learn about God's word. Right? Two birds, one stone. That's amazing. All right, so how about some other things? Sign up to help at Southside. Right? Do you like serving? Do you want to be challenged? Go to a side of a neighborhood that most of us wouldn't drive through on a good day. Sign up for the things that are on the back of your card. Every single Sunday, we put stuff on the back of your card. Check the box. Show up. How about this? Maybe you're a lady in church today, and you want to you do some different things. Head to a PFN women event. I, apparently, there's this flaming gals. Is it flaming gals? It's not flaming gals. I was wrong. It's not. It's flamingo. Fl I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> Callie's going to bust me for that. I apologize. All right, so, so maybe you can head to one of their events. You know, maybe, maybe neither one of those things, right? Maybe you love little people. Check out Kids Zone. Hang out with my son. He tells horrible jokes that are hilarious. <laughs> I mention all these things today because some of my best friendships come from serving in the building and outside of the building, along with just eating chili and watching football. We weren't designed to follow Jesus alone, but with one another. We were created for community a community that sticks together through times of joy or times of struggle, a community that is united no matter what side of the coin we find ourselves on. Fourth, trust Jesus. When you chose Jesus and begin that journey, that odyssey of trusting him, it's not going to be easy. As a matter of fact, next time when we cover Acts, you're going to hear a story about Stephen. Stephen was a true believer of Jesus Christ. However, Stephen was stoned for his belief in Jesus. As a matter of fact, even as Stephen was being hit by stones and dying, he saw the glory of heaven. When you trust Jesus, when you truly trust him, a peace that is unexplainable falls over your heart and he will be your joy and no one will take that away from you. That's John 16, 22. Today, some of our, uh, we're gonna play some music in the background and then we're gonna do some different things. I don't know what side of the coin that you're on. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you're on the edge and if you're waiting to fall. I don't know if you've given everything to Jesus. 
I know sometimes I'm guilty of making choosing Jesus confusing, and the church sometimes too. So let me try to simplify it real quick. Um, It means just giving everything you are to Jesus. No need to clean yourself up or I need to get this right. It's simply admitting that you've sinned, believing that Jesus died, rose again, and you trust him alone for your salvation and confessing your sins to Jesus. I remember the day when I uttered those words, followed those steps, and every single day felt more at peace. If you haven't chose Jesus today, now would be a great time. Find me, find a staff member, find somebody with a badge on and talk to them about choosing Jesus. If you have chose Jesus today, you are on one side of that coin that you hold. You're facing trials, celebrating the harvest, or you're somewhere in between. Maybe some of you today are on the edge where there may not be an immediate change in your life, With Jesus, the coin has a chance to flip. Either side, today, is God glorified in your life. Today, even in the middle of COVID protocols and everything else, I'm asking you to respond. Respond to the stirring in your heart, the very fibers of your soul. Maybe you feel pressed today, crushed, burdened, tired, unsure, worried, scared, hurt, depressed, or lonely. If that's you today, if you're feeling those things, I'm asking you to come forward to this amazing altar that we have right now. If you are tired of the same old solutions to the problems old and new, come forward right now. Come forward to this altar. Come forward and leave your burdens. Come forward and be prayed over by me or a staff member or leader. Don't delay. Don't, I'll, I'll wait. I'll stand here all day. Every person in this room matters to Jesus. Don't worry about being the first one to come to the altar. Don't worry about what anyone thinks. Don't delay today in crying out to Jesus. Jesus already did the work for you. He is the way. As a matter of fact, if that's you today, if you feel the urge to come forward, I promise you the person sitting in the pew beside you won't mind if you get up and just slide right past them. Don't worry about where you have to be or if you gotta serve in the next service. Don't worry about what you have to accomplish after church. I promise you your friends and family will wait for you. I promise that. Don't fret about lunch. If something burns in your house, I'll buy you lunch. Today, right now, you can come forward and leave these burdens here. These few minutes at the altar will satisfy you in a way that no meal ever could. Come forward and let me pray with you. Come forward and let our staff and leaders pray with you. Leave your burdens here. Come forward right now and accept Jesus. Come forward and lay all that you are out. Come forward and find a true peace that only Jesus Christ could offer. Come forward and find a love that never changes. God will never change, but we must. Come forward and pray.